Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. You have a hunch that something could go down this offseason. I think Alex Verdugo gets traded. They have a lot of uh, assets position player-wise in the minor leagues to make moves. So I think the Red Sox are going to be pretty aggressive uh, with a couple trades. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. Number 105. Yes, sir. Episode 105, Wake and Rake Podcast. Congratulations to the... 2023 World Series champion, Texas Rangers. And apparently we got Pat McAfee on the show because he has no sleep. <laughs> I don't have guns like he does, man. I don't got it like that. You know what? This is a Florida man, right? It's like it was in the 70s this morning, which is nice for here this time of year. A little breeze, not no much humidity. I'm pressure washing this some stuff. You know, I'm like, this is perfect. Throwing a hoodie. You want a hoodie, but you don't want to sweat too much. You should take the arms off. Let them hang. It looks like I have strings hanging off my uh, my hoodie, but they're my arms. What were you uh, benching, squatting, stuff like that, like in your prime? My prime. Well, we didn't bench were, super heavy. Were you like a, were you like a heavy weight? Like like I was a heavy heavy guy. Yeah. Can you play football? Uh, too? But at the same time, like when we're doing our programs, they don't want you doing like su- they love super heavy squats and deadlifts. They did not like heavy upper body stuff just because of like my history of my shoulder and tearing my labrum a couple times. Um, so I, I actually didn't even, I don't remember the last time I did like flat bar bench. We would just do like dumbbell stuff because you have to like use your shoulder structure to like, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I did like, I could do like the 120 d- dumbbells. Impressive. For like four. Yeah, that's impressive. But that was like at my peak. I'd say, most of the time, I could do like the hundreds for like six, you know. Never Eight. anything over the head, right? Not much. I, don't, I do a little more now. I work at a place called F45 now. It's more like, have you heard of it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I like it a lot. There's one like right by my house, like a mile from my house. So it's easy. You just go knock it out. It's me and all the house moms at 915 after we drop the kids off at school. Um, It's good, though. Keeps me moving. I'm, you know, working on my, my father figure. I don't want to call it a dad bod father figure. Yeah, we'll let Jenny decide that. Yeah. Your Rangers. Yeah. They finally did it, man. They finally so cool. did it. How excited so cool. are you about that? Uh, I, was, I was fired up. So I try to remain pretty unbiased on on things. Uh, but I had already committed to like going full uni um if they want it on the post game show for CBS. And I, I gave Samson a heads up like the day before. I was like, hey, if they win tomorrow, I'm gonna be in everything but a cup. I'm not wearing a cup. Uh and I couldn't find eye black. I wanted eye black, couldn't find it. It's probably dried up in a bag in my garage at this point, but so I just threw on the sun. I threw on the Oakleys. So you did have a cup. You just chose not to wear it. Correct. Yeah, I outgrew it. Why? <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on that one. Ain't no way. That's the truth. Yeah, no, nah, not this point in life. Uh, Do you, you have maybe. a cup and jockstrap in your home? Somewhere, probably in like an equipment bag somewhere in the garage, yeah. like. With you like wore, old cleats and stuff. You wore a cup every game? Oh, but do I play third base? That's true. I want to get hit in the dick. Yeah. You ever been smoked in the balls with a ground ball? I caught in high school. That's stupid. You're with, like 6'12". How, how how did you catch? You're too tall to be a catcher. Big fish, small pond, my friend. They, uh, fair enough. Yeah, you got to play where, where it's needed. Pitcher and a catcher? 
Mm-hmm. Small call that ace. Call that asexual reproduction. There's a lot of production, my friend. Look at those stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, can we talk about baseball, please? I was. I was talking about my high school stats because everybody cares about that. Yeah. Don't get me going. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Uh, was it the most exciting series? But I don't know, I don't, some good base. There was some good baseball. But I don't think it was because of the teams. I just think Texas dominated because game one was phenomenal. Arguably oh, yeah, one of the best games of this year. game time homer, Adolis walk off for sure. Game two was a laugher. Yeah. Nine, game, what, nine one? No, not nine one. What was it? It was a lot to a little. I don't know. Feels like a year ago. Game three was three nothing. Fine. It was a competitive game. Game four, 11 7. 11 7. It was 11. But it was 11 to 1. It wasn't even that close. It felt no. like an NBA game, you know, where you're up like 25 going into the fourth and then you like have all your B team in. Yeah. Yeah. And then game five, it was close. It was, that was, Dude, that was very, very competitive. I thoroughly enjoyed game five. And not, not just because the Rangers won and come out on top, but Gallon took a no no into the seventh. Yeah. Nathan Avaldi is just fucking onions, right? Like massive nuts he 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 had so many three ball counts he walked five guys he had 43 of his 97 pitches thrown were with runners in scoring position and didn't give up a run 43 pitches out of his 97 with runners on second or third base and he didn't make one mistake wow now he had good defense behind him but he also just like buckled down and i think like him getting deep into counts and walking that many guys was purely uh, a product of him having to be perfect, right? So he's having to live between the chalk and, and, the, and the black of the plate because he knows if he misses, he's it, one homer can win this game. He, they didn't know they were going to rattle off five, you know? They thought it was going to be a one nothing 2-1 type game. Um, and Zach Gallon was just literally perfect. Like, you hear the term, he's putting his, he can put his fastball up in Nat's ass. Like he was literally hitting every single spot. And if he did miss, it was down or off the plate. Like it wasn't over the plate away. As his uh, um, outing went on, he started to miss more over the plate. You could tell he was getting maybe a little tired. There's a lot of high stress pitches. Even though he had a no hitter going, that's in the back of his head. He's trying even harder to be perfect. So he started getting over the plate a little more at the end. But I was really impressed with. So the Texas Rangers are boppers, right? They slug like that. They beat the crap out of people. They play bully ball. They hit the homer. What fifty, almost sixty percent of the Rangers' runs in the postseason were via the home run. Um, what they, what I saw them do in the seventh inning. So Seager broke up the no hitter with the squibber to the open side of the infield. Mm-hmm. Then you see what the double. Evan Carter hits a double, line drive double, which he's a great line drive hitter. Garver, single up the middle. So you see the Rangers completely change their approach. They go from, they they realize, I don't know, I, I don't know if someone, a hitting coach, I don't know if it was Bochi, I don't know if it was a veteran on the team. Someone said, had to have said, dude, we got to shorten up. When a guy is locked in like this, you can't go pull launch trying to hit homers because he's literally going to give you nothing to hit a homer on. And you're going to go up there and get yourself out, which they did for six innings. Right. So they go up there with a single line drive mentality, single, single, double, boom, they're winning. So I was actually really impressed that they went up there and actually mid game changed their approach 
and it worked. It's pretty cool to see. You just laid out exactly why I thought Texas would win the series and why Arizona was able to escape Philly. Because Philly's game plan is launch. launch. One through nine. Yep. Texas is different. They can beat you in a variety of different ways. Evan Carter can go gap to gap. Simeon can go gap to gap. Seeger can go gap to gap. Nathaniel Lowe. Adolis Gar- Garcia a little bit more long ball heavy. But point being is they have a little bit more variety yeah. up and down that lineup. And I thought it was going to be too much for Arizona to overcome. And sure enough, that ended up being the case. Tori Lavello after the game broke my heart. Oh. Press conference was emotional to say the least. He said he <laughs> wanted to escape into a tent, Go eat camping. ice cream, and, and, and ba- basically cry his sorrows away. He'll do it too. Yeah. That was like from the heart. Like he meant that. <laughs> that that bro- his little like his forced laugh after he made that quote. Right, was, with like tears in his eyes. Yeah. It was not a real laugh. It was like, I don't want to be here. This sucks. That that, that it broke me. Yeah. Good dude. Great I don't man. know him personally, but that just watching him get he that. Cares, man. He's such a good communicator. And we've talked about that in, in a pod, our last pod, I believe, about just how much he cares. And you can see it. You can see it. You can see like when guys come out of the game or guys have a big at bat coming up, he's always right there, arm around them, talking to them talking to them and he just cares dude it's it's rare the other manager the one who did hoist the trophy bruce bochi my favorite nugget that came out of this oh it's good san francisco giants had never won a world series since moving to san francisco in 1958 the texas rangers had never won a world series since being established in 1961 enter bruce bochi Manager manager for both of those teams, and he broke both droughts. There's just something about his voice, the tone of his voice, obviously the stuff that comes out of his mouth when he speaks. But when he opens his mouth, it's like, I just lock in. Yeah. And it's got to be something with his players, too. And I want to point out this. Every single interview done by every player on that roster – they get asked a question about themselves and they always talk about their teammates. Every single one of them. Yeah. You know where that starts? The top, dude. That starts when you see leadership with Chris Young, Michael Young, who's up there, obviously Bruce Bochy and the staff that he's assembled around himself. They set the tone with, with that mentality of caring about the person next to you, paying attention to what they do and what they contribute and give them credit for what they do. It's just that kind of shit matters, man. Mm-hmm. It really does when you're building a clubhouse. And um, and I, I said this yesterday when I was talking about Craig Breslow um, taking over the chief baseball uh, of the Boston Red Sox. Guys who are in a leadership position in the front office have such an advantage when building teams because you can go to all the Ivy League schools you want you can go all the analytics, all the metrics, all the swing pass and spin, spin rates and launch angles and all that. And guess what? You can build this super team and lose 80 games. We saw that with the Padres, with the Mets. What were they lacking? What are these leaked uh, insight keep coming out? What is it? Bad clubhouse vibes. People not getting along. No chemistry. No camaraderie. Guys don't hang out away from the park. All the good teams do because they care about each other. They're boys. So there's an advantage to 
uh, a GM or someone making the decisions and who is building these teams who has been in a clubhouse and they know the personalities to mesh together to create a winning culture and the ones to stay away from because they butt heads. So I'm excited for what the Boston Red Sox have. You're seeing it with the Texas Rangers. There's, I think, five or six guys total in baseball now making those decisions who played the game. And you're going to start seeing that become a trend because it works. I thought it was ironically fitting that the Rangers did end up winning it all because you kind of alluded to it just just right then. Because everybody was critiquing midseason and at the end of the season, the Mets, Yankees, Padres, they were ridiculed because they had such high payrolls and all three of those teams missed the playoffs. And there was this narrative going around that, oh, you can spend too much money on a roster and maybe the culture won't work or, or, or whatnot. And so there was a lot of people like, oh, maybe you need to spend less to get to the promised land kind of thing. Well, Texas had the fourth highest payroll in Major League Baseball this year, but they had the right pieces in place. So it's not just as simple as having a high payroll. Put, you have this to way. get the right guys. That's it. You pay the right people. Right. Right. It's not that other people aren't worth that money based off of what the back of their baseball card says or what uh, their expected stats say or whatever they're going to be. You just have to pick the certain personality that can still do the same thing. Because there's just certain personalities that match in clubhouse, period. It's like any job. You're either happy when you go to work because you can't wait to see your coworkers and you're going to get more work done and more quality work done when you're with those people than if you hate who you work with. Mm. It's just like any other job. You still have to go and be with them. You're with them more than you're with your family. Like you're with them 12 hours a day. So if you don't get along, how are you going to be at your best? It's it's really pretty simple. Now, it's not simple from the front office standpoint of uh, pulling from here and here and here and here from all these different trees of players and saying, hope these work. But there's AJ, a there's a there's a process to it. AJ Preller. Well, I mean, sometimes it works, man. It's, sometimes it's, it does. Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't ever ridicule ridicule or criticize the attempt. Now, you know what I mean, right. <laughs> I will sometimes say it works. I will say there's a lot of situations where you might have the right personalities, but you're not playing well and things don't go well. Things turn south because they're human beings and they're struggling and people aren't the same when they struggle and, and when they're doing well. Winning fixes everything. We know that. So you can you can have all the wrong personalities at some point, but if everyone's playing well, everyone's a lot happier and the clubhouse is going to be able to build something. So it works on both sides. Do you have any idea where your 2013 team ranked payroll wise or do you i mean do you even care i actually have no idea in them like the middle 12th maybe 13 i don't know because i you know what let me take that back because we were older so there weren't a lot of guys making like minimum like i was one of the only guys making minimum mm -hmm. um for most of the season at least by the end of the season we had a couple younger guys who were up like xander bogarts but um, for a majority majority of the season, I, yeah, it had to have been up there a little bit just because we had a lot of we had a lot of older players. But at, it it wasn't like a lot of superstars. But like, it wasn't like fifty fifty like veterans making money and then young guys making at the time five hundred thousand to a million. 
you know, there were a lot of guys that were making between eight and 13, I feel like, on that team. You want to take a guess? I have the numbers. Go for, tell me. I don't know. Fourth. Fourth okay. highest payroll. Same yeah. as the Texas Rangers. Yeah, is. that's why I rethought it because, like, hold up. Like, even the guys we brought in on free agent deals were, like, three years for 33. Three, oh, three years for 39. That was, like, Napoli, Victorino, like, Gomes. Like, all these guys were on similar deals, but they were making 13 a year. So I didn't really think about it that way. You're right. Your highest paid salary that year was John Lackey, who was making 16 mil. And then went Ortiz, 14 and a half. Dempster, 13. Victorino, 13. Lester, 11. And Petey at 10. Petey's only making 10. That's nuts. He got broke off later. He's he's doing just fine. No, he's fine. But he still, can like, buy all of Woodland. You really think about like just how times have changed as far as salary goes. Did Petey ever talk about Woodland, California? No. Why? Because no. that's where he's from. That's where he's from. Yeah. I know, yeah. Really have, it doesn't have the best of reputations. That's also where Alyssa Natkin went to high school. It's where my dad Who? works. Oh, though the baseball coach. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, assistant coach with the San Francisco Giants. Mm-hmm. The first female ever to get a uh, managerial inter- managerial interview. interview. Yeah. Which we will talk about managers coming up. The, the, the dominant theme of this episode is looking ahead. So let's let's do that. Texas Rangers, chances they run it back with the way that their roster is currently built. And uh, what what's the look ahead for the 2023 Rangers? Can they win it again in 24 and beyond? Why not? I mean, I'm looking at the roster right now. Like, they're going to retain essentially their entire lineup they finish the season with. Well, Adolis Garcia will be back. That oblique will be better by spring training. I can promise you that. Um, you got to think like Seager, DeGrom, Scherzer all miss big chunks of the year with injury. So you can see there depends on what Scherzer's deal is. Yeah. We don't really know what is the severity of what he's dealing with. I mean, he's old. Well, it he seems like old. more of his back. Like, I think his arm was fine. He's he been was dealing. Ready. He was dealing with back injuries back when he was with the Nationals. Three years. Yeah. Like, this has been part of his career the last like six years, honestly. Yeah. Um, DeGrom's probably going to miss mm, at least half of next season. Mm hmm. But I could see him being back like August, realistically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, see where Scherzer's at. You're still, um, you're going to lose Jordan Montgomery to free agency. I don't know if they re-sign him or not. Um, you're still going to have Heaney. You're still going to have Dunning, John Gray. So the back end of your rotation is going to be just fine. I think they could sign a free agent and like that number two, number three role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still have Evaldi, Scherzer. Add free agent John Gray, Haney Dunning, add a little help to the bullpen. So it's all going to be pitching base for them. I think uh, they're they're man, their 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 lineup looks really good. You get you get a full season of Evan Carter, who's good chance could be an All Star next year. He's he's real. He's going he's still going to be twenty one all of next season until the end of August. August 29th, I believe, is his birthday. He reached base in every single postseason game seventeen times, dude. Seventeen for 17? seventeen. He got called up two months ago. He can barely buy a beer. It's incredible. He's been able to buy a beer for like less than 70 days. He could get a beer for sure, but but oh, legal he had plenty of it. He had plenty of them. Legally buy one, though. That's a different story. Um gotta think Bochi comes back. Absolutely. Right? He's one away from tying Connie Mack for most series titles. With five. Uh no. No, I thought someone had no, oh, I thought there was someone won seven. Not most all time. I'm sorry. Third all time. Third all time. There's, there's, there's two Mack, guys like there's two guys with seven. Is it Graw? 
McGraw or something like I, that. I don't know. I, I forgot. I know the name if I hear it. Joe Torre was one of them. Joe Torre had four. Joe Torre had four. So he's tied with Joe Torre right now. He's tied with Joe Torre and someone else right now. I'll get you the numbers. Give me the list. Um, I think something else that's, that's really good for the Rangers is they do have a pretty young, they have some young core and they're winning early in their careers. And that really just sets a tone for guys. Like that's now they expect it every year. Mm-hmm. Evan Carter is 21 years old and he's going to expect to win for the next 15 years. So that's pretty exciting. Um, Simeon, I thought took a big step. I thought him finishing his postseason the way he did, uh, really going to set the tone going into next season. Seager's going to continue to be an MVP candidate. That's the thing, dude. They didn't sign these guys to one-year deals. These guys are going to be around for another the next 10 years. years. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Corey Seager's probably making some calls to some NL teams just to say, can you please take Shohei Otani so I can win the MVP? <laughs> <laughs> because he's like, I'm going to keep putting up MVP numbers, and I'm not going to win it because this guy throws 97 and hits the ball 480 feet. But not next year because he's injured as a pitcher. Right. So Seager needs to so, go off next year if he wants to get a plaque. That's right. By the way, Corey Otani Seager. Otani could go off next year just only focusing on hitting. Oh my gosh. I know, especially if he's hitting the ball off the monster in Fenway. Anyways. Um, nice. Anyways, uh, we got to give shout out to Corey Seager too. He's just the fourth player all time to win multiple MVPs in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you see the comparison between him and Reggie Jackson uh, in October? Most home runs, probably. No, 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 no. Hold on. Look this here. Google it or whatever you do. Why do look I up, have to do it? Why don't, up, do, why don't you ever Google anything? Because you're good. You're you're gooder at this. By the way, Bruce Bochy, he's tied for fourth all time with most World Series titles by manager. Joe McCarthy was one with seven tied. For first with Casey Stengel. That's the one I was thinking. Okay. And then Connie Mack has five at third. And then Boach, Walter Alston, and Joe Torrey. I'm looking up that stat. Hold on. Whatever it is, it's not going to be as good as Will Smith winning three straight titles. Yeah, that was sick. You got to so have Corey, Will Smith. So on. back to the the Corey Seager fourth player with multiple World Series MVPs. It's Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, Reggie Jackson, and then Corey Seager. Mm. Oh, here we go. So this was going into Game Five. It's called October Legends. So Corey Seager and Reggie Jackson had both played seventy-seven postseason games. Corey oh. Seager had nineteen home runs. Reggie Jackson had eighteen. Corey Seager had forty-eight RBIs. Reggie Jackson also had 48 RBIs. That's cool. So Mr. October has been maybe not edged, but but somebody's caught up. Pass the torch. Passing of the torch. Uh, I heard an interview with Reggie Jackson. Uh, someone, I think it was like A-Rod asking, like, how do you feel about guys that are like, they're starting to call other players Mr. October and this? He said, I love it because people are talking about me again. It's <laughs> 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 a good point. Like, hey, like, if they're bringing me up, that means like I did something really cool. If they're talking about me with Corey, with what Corey Seager's doing, yeah. So, pretty cool way to look at it. So the Rangers are finally on top for the first time in franchise history. Five teams now are seeking their first World Series title: San Diego Padres, Milwaukee Brewers, Seattle Mariners, Colorado Rockies, and the Tampa Bay Rays. By the way, someone asked me the other day 
when I was doing CBS. Who do you think next year's I have two answers for this? Who do you think next year's Arizona Diamondbacks will be? This is a good conversation. I like this. Yes. And I said the Arizona Diamondbacks probably will do it again. <laughs> uh, because I, I really like their team and the way they play baseball. Because they play they play the game different than everyone else. Now they, the small ball and this and that and button guys over, guys don't do, but that helps them win because that's what's best for for their lineup, for like the players that they have. They don't have the big boppers. Um and a lot of people were complaining because uh, Moreno, their three-hole hitter, bunted runners over with first and second, no outs. His um, decision, by the way, not Tory Lavello's decision. Tory said that Gabby did that on his own. You know what? And I initially thought it was Tory's decision because it was really smart because uh, Moreno hits a ton of ground balls. His ma- his main out made is a ground ball, and that's a double play in that situation. Mm-hmm. So. When he bunted, I was like, oh, that's smart because it's one out. You move the runners over and you didn't hit. Not Otherwise, you'd have runner at third base, two outs. He's not the fastest guy. He's a catcher. So I, I didn't hate the decision. But back to the point, I, I think the Arizona Diamondbacks play a really good style of baseball. It's, it's, a, it's, it's an anomaly in today's game because everyone plays bully ball, slug. And they're like, you know what? We're going to go old school, hit behind runners, line drives, take our single, take our walk. We'll bop you here and there but we're going to steal bases and put pressure on you. That's what makes us good. So I think they're going to be kind of that same team next year, you know, between 84 and 88 wins and get into the playoffs and be a good team. I think that it got, they got, uh, what's the word? I don't know. It just kind of, they needed another starting pitcher. Yeah. You know, Brandon Fott was really good. And I think he set him up to have a really good year next year. I think he really figured some stuff out, but they needed another guy. Yeah, you need more than three for a regular season. You need more. They essentially had two. They essentially had two. Um, and then the other team, I think, that has a chance to be that team to kind of sneak into the playoffs and cause havoc is the Seattle Mariners. They're not sneaky, man. They they won 90 games. No, I, no, no. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. The reason they're sneaky is because Houston and Texas is, is better. They're better. Mm. So they're not going to win the division. They're probably not going to be – the second best team in that division. So if they were in a different division, yeah, they're not sneaky. But when you're in third place in your division, you're sneaky. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Seattle so, has the talent for sure. So that's why I think Seattle, with their with that pitching staff, if they add just a little bit offensively, they have the guys to to do it and be that that team that just gets in. They have really good home field advantage, which this year kind of showed didn't really matter. The best the the World Series champion was eleven and zero on the road, so. Um, I don't know. I think C- Seattle can kind of be that team if they can sneak in. And now, now they only play thirteen each team thirteen times instead of nineteen. So you're not at beating up on yourself within the division as much as you normally would, which is an advantage for a team like that with both the Rangers and the Astros. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, two teams for me. Keep on your radar, Pittsburgh Pirates. You went like 70, seventy-six and eighty-six. They need pitching as well. And keep oh, they're him. getting Cruz back. They're getting Cruz back. Getting O'Neill Cruz back. Keep Brian Hayes. Probably going to win. A, if Did he win? the? He won the gold glove. He did. He won the gold glove. Did, did they announce it? If they didn't announce it already, he'll probably win the gold glove. Yeah, he'll probably win it. Um, and he had the power come along in the second half this year. So he's making strides too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh showed some some life this last year. So if they can mix in some pitching. Look, we still got a whole. you know what? Too, they didn't you know? trade. Keller either. I thought they would I thought they would trade Keller. Extended Brian Reynolds. Right. 
they kept Keller. So we'll see. So 76 and 86 last year and the NL central could look a lot different this next year. If Craig council goes elsewhere, Corbin Burns is going to be a free agent after next season. So Milwaukee's kind of in flux a little bit. Chicago is probably going to spend some money this offseason and be involved in a lot of different things. Cincinnati was on the come up last year, but I think that NL Central is kind of there's a window. And then Cincinnati an American League team, fun. American League team, I got to go to another Central Division because nothing's guaranteed in either of the Central Divisions, National League and American League. So in the American League, Detroit, 78 and 84 last year. They've been in a long, long rebuild. They were they were sneaky way better than uh, record wise. And I, if you asked me, I would have said they won 60 something games. Mm-hmm. They went 78 and 84, six games under 500. Carpenter is coming along. They essentially Carpenter had the same record along. as the Boston Red Sox. Riley Green was injured off and on all, all season. But when Riley Green was healthy, he showed what he was capable of. Torkelson hit, if not 30 bombs, close to. So keep an eye on Detroit. And Pittsburgh, those would be my two kind of sneaky teams that could okay. be like that, the diamond. Yeah, I'm going like a tier above them with, well, obviously a team that was just in the World Series, but I think the Mariners can be that team for sure. Let's take a look at some for agents. Now, I'm going to tease a little bit. We're not making our predictions on this episode. It's going to be more macro for agents. Yeah, we got to go. We got to we gotta wait a little longer on, on predictions. It's a little early for that. Here's the thing, though, is... We don't have much time until players can sign. So, well, it's well, okay. So, like as of yesterday, it started the five day period where where players can re-sign with their team. Yep. Now, after that five days, it's a free for all. Everyone's free to sign wherever they want. November sixth, that is go time. So. I mean, it's highlighted by Otani. I mean, we can just go ahead and get that out of the way. Sure. It's it's arguably, not even arguably, it is the biggest free agent of all time. It's kind of top-heavy this year, the free agent market. Yeah, uh, especially with the position players. I'm going to go off of CBS Sports because they employ us and they give us paychecks, so I want to give them their, their due diligence here. Their yeah. top MLB free agent rankings, I'll just give you the top 10, and we can kind of go... Go through the players and see what sticks out. Shohei Otani, number one. Yoshinobu Yamamoto from Japan, he's number two. Mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger at three. Matt Chapman at the hot corner. Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, Eduardo Rodriguez, Lucas Giolito, Jordan Montgomery, and Clayton Kershaw, all free agents. That's your top. Giolito will be a still. I think he's only uh, looking at like a $12 million AAV. So That's um, the thing. It's very top-heavy. Like Once you get to... like. Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, who both are really good pitchers. After that, Eduardo Rodriguez, a good arm. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, too. Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. So it's, it's it's Shohei. I'm just looking at pitchers. Shohei, Yamamoto, Montgomery, Nola, Snell, in my opinion. Snell. Uh, so I look at Yamamoto's looking at like 30 a year for like six, seven years. So he could sign for 211, maybe a little more. We'll see how they structure that. Jordan Montgomery... Aaron Nola, Blake Snell are all going to fall in that, in my opinion, five-year, 120 to 125 range. Um, Just so like the Shohei contract. So Shohei's not going to sign anytime soon. We know that. He's going to shop around. Not only is he going to look, go different places to talk to people and sit down and have meetings and 
look at the cities and because that's a that's a massive commitment obviously and and there's that off the field thing with Shohei too there's a lot that goes into this he's got to be able to market himself to make he's going to want to make just as much money off the field every year as he wants to make on the field let's be honest he's an icon like he is there's no way around it so that's why I like Boston because he's a New Balance athlete and New Balance is based in Boston. So there's a lot of opportunity for make money off the field. Now, what hurts Boston is they had voted in uh, two years ago, I believe. It's a millionaire tax. So people that make a million dollars in a year get taxed a little more than the rest of the population. So that's that, that can hurt them bringing guys in. It's not going to hurt Otani because he's at that point – 450 $500 million. Is it really that big of a difference? But um, so, like I said, it's going to take him a while to sign, not only because of him shopping himself around and trying to figure out what's best, uh, but that's going to be a complicated contract. And it's going to be a lot of things to agree on. So we're going to look at him signing. I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him sign close to February. Just because you... He's not going to pitch next year, but you got to figure out how you're going to pay him when he's doing both. Um, it you, every team is going to want to pay him inning based, incentive based. Like you throw this many innings, you get this much money. Is he going to agree to that? If everyone is, I think it, collectively, if everyone is offering something like that, yes. But if there's a team that is just like, here's how much you're going to make. Period. He might go with them. <laughs> I think somebody. It, I think somebody will. I think somebody will say it's, this it's is just fully so stupid. Guaranteed. It's so stupid though. It's dumb. It's, I just think the competition it's dumb, and is I understand so it. High. If you have the money, I get it. Go, but like, I don't know. It's it's going to come down to a lot of details on that. So I also think there's going to be multiple opt outs in his contract because now teams don't want opt outs. Teams will love opt outs if it's the team option, um, but this is going to be player option to to opt out. Why? Because he's the biggest free agent of all time. He's arguably the best baseball player to ever walk this earth. And he is, has all the leverage with every team. So there's going to be multiple opt-outs because him and his agency are going to say, hey, if we want to leave, we want to be able to leave after three or four years, five years. So I would, it's going to be interesting to watch this play out. But even after him undergoing his second Tommy John surgery, he is going to be the biggest free agent signing of all time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of buts with the Frasian class. Blake Snell is great, but he gets a wild hair up his nose and he can't throw strikes. Well, this Aaron was Hall- like his best year he's had in a long time. Oh, Snell? Yeah. He's going to win the National League Cy Young Award. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But like, I don't know. You you said it. Like, he'll, he, he'll walk six guys in a row. He's the only His pitcher. stuff's unbelievable, but like, can you throw strikes? No one, when he wins the Cy Young, there will not be a Cy Young pitcher who had a higher walk per nine than Blake right. Snell this year. But that's also what makes him good. Like when I, as a hitter, if there's a guy who just goes up there and dots, regardless of how nasty he is, I'm more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, if this guy's going to ear hole me or dot me down in a way, and I don't know which one that is, it's really hard to like be able to stay on that pitch away, which is two seamer runs away, his changeup runs away. And if you, for some reason, are comfortable and you're going to go the other way, he'll break off at your back foot, and that's what made him nasty. But his effectively wild approach to pitching makes it a really uncomfortable at bat for hitter. As a front office, I'm not touching Blake Snell with a 30-foot stick. Mm. 
I don't know. Not man. someone you want to build around because of his inconsistency. He can no, take, but he I can, think five can, years, one twenty-five isn't nuts in it's today's not game. Nuts. He can absolutely carry you, or he can completely derail. I think, he, him I think twenty-five million dollars a year is worth the risk on him. If it's if, not for it, a long term, well, let me rephrase that. Unless, unless he's your only guy, if he's your only guy. Then he ain't the, then don't roll the dice. But if you have a solid other two pitchers with him, that's fine. Right? Like he doesn't feel like, okay, I got to be that dude. Like what the Rangers did and they lost to Grom. They were still able to stay, obviously, stay afloat. Right. But it helps when you're aggressive at the trade deadline. You go get Jordan Montgomery and Max Scherzer. <laughs> Blake Snell might be the only pitcher in baseball that could say, I can be the greatest pitcher in Major League Baseball. And I can also. Be one of the worst pitchers in Major sure. Baseball. It's and I it's mean Aaron Nola hasn't been great. Opposite. Aaron Nola hasn't been great. Yeah, he can his, be. His, he's his, more he consistent. He's more Same. consistent. Yeah, but his stuff's not as good. So he he has no, to be. You're right. He, no, you're he right. Has you're to, right. He has to be more fine. Like he he, he can't. Like er, Blake Snell cannot have his good stuff, but still get a ton of outs because if he runs into an offense who who doesn't wait him out and is aggressive. He didn't have to throw strikes. It just has to look like strikes out of his hand. But like, if I'm a hitter, I'm going to go up there and make him, I'm taking a strike. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you throw me a strike. And I know if you throw me strike one, you're probably going to go two one on me. So like, you have to be patient. You can't just go up there with like, that. that's also hard for a hitter when you go, this guy's fucking nasty. And like, if I, I want to get him early because if he throws me a fastball over the plate and I take it because I'm taking a strike, now he gets that much nastier because he doesn't have to throw me a strike. So it's 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 a constant battle of like angel and devil on your shoulder. Like, do I attack him early? Okay, no, I need to let him see pitches because he it, four before three mentality really works against this guy. Like, good chance he's going to walk me. I get myself out more times than he gets me out, you know? But I don't know. Kevin Kiermeyer, Kevin Kiermeyer, Sonny Gray, Reese Hoskins, Josh Hader, Jung Hoo Lee. Jimer Candelario, Harrison Bader, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, Justin Turner, J.D. Martinez. All free agents. I think what's going to make up for a little bit, I don't want to say lackluster. That's kind of disrespect. But a little bit of a top-heavy free agency class. I think what's going to make up for that is you could see a lot of action on the trade market. Juan Soto. Padres are trying to cut payroll. I think it would be a mistake to trade Juan Soto. I think they give it another year. Give him another year. Why do you give up that large of a package to just trade him off? Go till the end of his, you know, if, if you get midseason, you're still going to get a big package for Soto. Maybe not as much. I think there's a lot of financial issues that are just now coming out in San Diego. I'll push back on that and say there's a lot of teams that take out loans midseason. Mm. The Padres are not the only ones who's taken out. They took out a million dollar loan. It's a big loan, but they're not the only ones that have I don't done. think there's that many teams that take out loans that size. I don't love the numbers. I don't think there's that though. many teams that have that many underwater contracts on their team either. They dug themselves uh, in a hole by not getting into the postseason. They were betting on making a lot of of that return on investment with playoff money. They did course. not. And of that course. really That's a good point. That's that really, a really good point. that fucked them over. It did. Um what is going to fuck me over is when Juan Soto is a New York Yankee. I hope, you know what? I hope that the Yankees do make a splash. I do. 
Him and pinstripes. Oh, makes me sick to my that gives me diarrhea. I'm gonna make like that. It makes me sick. But hear me out. If Juan Soto goes to the Yankees, his career won't be as good as it would be if he went somewhere else. Not hear me out. What was Juan Soto doing at the plate? I don't know how much you really paid attention to like his swing and his bat pass and stuff like that. What was Juan Soto doing when he was struggling? He was pulling everything. Mm-hmm. And when when he's at his best, you can throw a fastball middle in and he'll shoot you out in the gap in left center because he has that behind the baseball turn through the baseball where it doesn't matter how deep or how far out in front of the plate he catches it, he's going to barrel you because his bat path is to the big part of the field. He got so all his direction of his swing was to right field there for months and he was fighting it. And eventually he started hitting the ball the other way and his bat path was back on track and his direction was to the middle of the field and he was much better. If he goes to the Bronx, that short porch is going to be going, Hey babe, I'm right here. And he's going to get very pull happy again. And it's going to change his approach. It's going to affect his, that's why right-handers are better there than lefties in my opinion because it forces them to stay through the baseball because they know they can miss it to right field and hit a homer so Aaron Judge hits off speed so well you know why because he's not afraid to get beat by a fastball because he can miss it and hit a homer to right field it made him a better hitter why do so many left-handed batters come to Fenway and get better the wall what's in left they aren't afraid to let the ball get deep when you're constantly going out to get the ball in front of the plate because you don't want to get beat, you're susceptible to off speed and you're pulling off and all your directions to pull side. So Juan Soto going to Yankee Stadium sounds like a great idea. And it very well, if he can keep his approach and stay away from getting pool happy at a stadium like that, then he'll be great there because he somebody hangs him an off speed pitch or he happens to just catch one out front. It's an easy homer for him. But if he goes there trying to pull the ball because it's a short porch right there in right field, it's going to hurt his career. It's so counterintuitive, yet it makes sense. Yeah. Never thought about it like that. It's very interesting. Other trade candidates. By the way, that was something I was just like literally two nights ago. I was like, it was like 1 a.m. Jenny's passed out. I just got done doing like a post-game show. So I'm in bed like just like scrolling through Twitter and stuff. And there was like, Soda to New York and this and that. And then literally at like one ten in the morning, I was having those thoughts. I was like, that could ruin him. Like, number one, I don't want to see him in that uniform because he's in the same division as the Red Sox. Uh, but man, that could fuck him up. Because that when he struggles, it's because he's trying to pull the ball. I don't know. We'll see. It's interesting. Other trade candidates include Tyler Glasnow. For Tampa, by the way, there's no guarantee that these guys get traded, of course, but a lot of these guys are either going to be free agents after this next season or after the 2025 season. Some teams are possibly rebuilding, and some teams could be going in a different direction, like the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns will be a free agent after next year, and he could be a trade candidate, as could Willie Adamas. Shane Bieber, it'll be interesting what Cleveland does, bringing in a new manager. Cleveland is obviously a a smaller market team. Uh, twins, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, Alex Verdugo for Boston. So I think the trade market could really pull the weight this year in regards to headlines conversation. Well, I think the trade market this offseason will kind of set the 
set up what teams want to do with free agents. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to look at some trades before there's big free agent signings. Mm-hmm. Do you have any crazy, as we kind of close up shop here, do you have any crazy, not necessarily individual predictions, but do you have something that, you have something up your sleeve that you think could just, you have a hunch that something could go down this offseason? I think Alex Verdugo gets traded. Really? Yeah. You don't have the, anybody. The Red Sox have that, a yeah. lot of uh, left-handed outfielders. And mm-hmm. I think he's one that could get them some good return. He's a really good defender. He's a Gold Glove finalist. He showed for half, over half a season, he can be very good offensively. Um, he just kind of ran out of steam. I think he might have been a little pissed he didn't make the all-star team. I don't know. I'm not in that clubhouse enough to know, like, how he is as a teammate and, like, that kind of stuff. Um, So I won't speak on that. But um, I could see him getting moved. I think he could bring in the most of those outfielders. And they have some young core, you know, with Jaron Duran, uh, Willier Abreu, who came up at the end of the year last year and raked. They have a young kid, uh, Sadon Rafaela, who is – had flashes of being very a very good defender. It's a lot of uh, progress to make offensively as far as play discipline. He's a free swinger. Can't do that in the big leagues. Can't really get away with it. You'll get exposed. Um, so they they have some young talent there. Uh, they, they have a lot of uh, assets position player-wise in the minor leagues to make moves. So I think the Red Sox are going to be pretty aggressive uh, with a couple trades not only free agents. And I think the front office also said we're quote unquote full throttle this off season, which who knows what that means, but Breslow seems like he's a guy who's ready to come in here and make some changes. So I'm excited to see that, but uh, prediction wise, no, I don't, I don't really know yet. I gotta do more homework. I think San Francisco will be this year's Texas Rangers of 2021. I think they are going to open up their wallets. Well, they started with a good manager. That's for sure. They got Bo Mel. It's a new era in San Francisco. They've been the bridesmaids for the past five years in free agency. They just watched their old manager. Why is it a new era? World Series because because Bo Mel. Yeah, because Mel was there. Okay. They just watched their old manager just hoist a trophy in Texas. They're tired of of being this really like 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 a, a more expensive Oakland A's. Wilmer Flores in the three hole. You know, like matchups platoons. They're gonna say here, show yeah. me. Here's Shohei. Here's a blank check. They're going to probably be on phone calls about Corbin Burns. They'll probably make some contact with Jorge Soler. I think you said it earlier, but Corbin Burns is in the last year of his contract, right? Yeah. Brandon Woodruff was hurt. He had shoulder surgery. Yep. Aaron Nola is going to be Milwaukee's in a tough spot. Yeah, Milwaukee is in a tough spot. I think Craig Council, depending on where he goes as a manager, could determine a lot of their future. I feel like Craig Council might end up in New York. They... Oh, the Met. I was gonna say Booney not going anywhere. No, 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 no. The Mets. I learned. Oh, this is a great teaser. So, I have an inside source on the Mets, and there was a big story about injuries and the way that they um, basically used the the injured list injured list to their advantage to alter their roster throughout the season. Everyone does. Correct. I got a little bit more inside information on like how that goes down and what the physical therapy side of things do and how they maneuver. I'm not going to share it here. I'm going to use it on the next episode because 
like is like taking longer on guys or like just flat lying about injuries and using players and using injury the players lying about injuries so i'm about they, to say well this has gone on forever of you being like hey you're not swinging it well the last three or four weeks it's not like hey we need you to have a hammy but like if i'm in there getting a hammy treated they're going to be very aggressive as far as we need to just rest it Mm -hmm. you need some time off because if i was swinging the bat well they'd be like all right figure out a way to get out there and play did they ever do that with you uh it's happened yeah but it happens literally all the time like if i have something barking and i'm playing well they don't care like get treatment make sure you're on the field you don't have to practice nothing just make sure you're in the lineup and produce but if you're struggling and you're and you and you're fighting the same exact, you know, nagging little hammy or shoulder sore or whatever, they'll IL you just to not only get you healthy, but reset you. And then hopefully in 10 days you come back and you feel better at the plate. Mm-hmm. You get someone else in there who's hot and triple A at the moment. Yeah, that's normal. Well, we're out of time. So we don't have enough time to discuss it. Predictions. Free agent, potential landing spots, a whole lot of off-season content coming down the pipeline, Wake and Rake podcast, all part of the Believe Network. Adios, people. Congrats, Rangers. 2023 